You are listening to the Wellness in Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sonal Uberoy. Episode 6, Sink or Swim, The Importance of Staying Relevant with Sean Murphy. Welcome to the Wellness in Hospitality podcast, where it's all about genuine wellness, true hospitality, and real people. I'm your host, global wellness expert, life coach, and author, Sonal Uberoy. Hello and welcome to today's special episode. In a world that is rapidly changing, things are constantly evolving. And as a result, we need to adopt an agile approach to keep up with the dynamic pace of today's business landscape. But what is more important, even more so than upping our cadence, is to stay relevant. If we don't move with times, we will eventually fade away. In today's episode, I'd like to share excerpts of the refreshing interview I had with a young, dynamic and forward-thinking hotelier, Sean Murphy. Sean not only is the vice president and managing director of a hotel chain, he also sits on the board of renowned organizations that ensure quality standards across the industry. But first, to set the scene of our discussion, I'd like to talk about the humbling story of Netflix and Blockbuster. I love how Sean made reference to this case study in our discussion, and I think it is important to share the story for those of you who aren't familiar with it, because there are some valuable lessons for all businesses across all industries. So here goes the story. In the turn of the century, Blockbuster, a movie rental company, insisted on holding on to their business model that had got them the huge success they had enjoyed in the 1990s, that of offering movie rentals from their physical shops and reaping the huge profits by penalizing their consumers from their late fee models. This was during the time the entertainment industry was experiencing a seismic shift towards digital entertainment in people's homes. Netflix, on the other hand, opted to not lose sight of what business they were in, that of the entertainment business, and came up with the idea of an affordable subscription-based model with multiple options of live entertainment that the customers could watch from the comfort of their homes without having to go to a physical shop, and that also with no late-fee penalties. This was in the early 2000s when Netflix was still building this business and it was worth only a fraction, we could say, only 1-3% to of what Blockbuster was worth back then. Blockbuster, on the other hand, who was stuck in their previous business model that got them the success they had, didn't believe in a month-to-month subscription service would ever actually work because they would need millions of users to actually match their current annual turnover. And they certainly weren't thinking of going digital and letting go of their physical shops. Even when revenue started to fall and the company was offered a buyout deal earlier on, it declined, believing that its previous business revenue model the late fee penalty that was generating them millions in revenue would work just as well in the new wave of movie watching as it had in the past. When they eventually realized that the Netflix model was the future, although they made changes to address their model, it was too little, too late. Netflix valuation catapulted, today valued at a whopping over $200 billion, while Blockbuster's valuation plummeted to a mere $24 million in 2010, 
and only one shop. So I think the following quote from Forbes beautifully describes what converted Blockbuster to one of the dinosaurs. The irony is that Blockbuster failed because its leadership had built a well-oiled operational machine. It was a very tight network that could execute with extreme efficiency, but poorly suited to letting information. And when it comes to the hospitality industry, we can draw similarities. There is no doubt that hotels are well-oiled operational machines. We have the most elite age-old hotelier schools developing the creme de la creme of hoteliers, all being honed and taught the most fancy, efficient and elaborate yield management models to compete even in the most cutthroat of markets. But all these systems are fundamentally built on the past rooms, conference spaces and food and beverage models. We don't need to go too far to see how we still measure the performance of our hotels. Our accounting system continues to be called USALI, Uniform System of Account for the Lodging Industry. So in terms of business performance, we still view our hotels as part of the lodging industry instead of an industry that delivers experiences. With this system as a core anchor, we will always view ourselves as the lodging industry, the industry that fundamentally sells rooms, conference spaces and food and beverages, and that also to predominantly one target audience, the corporate and business client. However, the reality is that today, there has been a global seismic shift in general from how we do business, how we earn a living, and in our value systems. One thing the global pandemic has taught us all is the importance of health, the importance of stopping, reflecting, and spending time with our loved ones. It has forced many of us to revisit our value systems because what we took for granted suddenly changed. Now, more than ever, people's decisions are based on the quality of their lives. And the definition of what quality of life means has changed. People are increasingly making lifestyle choices. They're moving out of the city and into the suburbs as working remotely gains traction. The spaces we live in have become important, particularly the quality of the spaces, be it work, home, when we go on holiday. Nature and community are on the top of our lists. Being healthy and strong and keeping our loved ones safe and healthy is of prime importance. This seismic shift in our value systems has only further consolidated how well-being has taken center stage on all fronts for businesses and people. If we don't recognize and embrace this strong wellness conscious movement and adapt our businesses, there will be no place for our businesses in a decade or two. We have seen this happen to even the best of companies in the past decades, the likes of Blockbuster, Kodak, and BlackBerry. So without further ado, here is an excerpt from my interview with Sean. These past few years have thrown everyone on a tailspin. And what used to work before no longer works today. And while we were hit quite hard in the pandemic, 2022, We've had ADRs that we've never, ever had in our lives in Madrid. And 2023 looks like that. However, though we're enjoying solid top line, we're faced with 
energy and supply chain crises, exorbitant inflation, and on top of that, a huge shortage of talent. We just simply can't find the people. And we're also finding people don't want to work the way they used to in the hospitality industry. So given the reality of what's happening, how has this shifted your perspective or has this reinforced your perspective on the hospitality industry? That is a big question. <laughs> I know, I know. Or how do you view hospitality? Given yeah, what's no, happened to us? <laughs> there's a lot in there to unpack. I think the easiest way for me to answer it is just say what change I think happened from two things. One on like how to run a business from what you're saying about everything that's going to impact costs. But two, I want to start with what changed the guest, in my opinion. I think what changed the guest is, especially relating to wellness, I think wellness has taken a much more active role in people's lives, just in their normal lives. Let's not talk about hotels, just them living their life. I think it's come more into focus, especially new generations are saying, hey, this is really important to me. This is something that I'm going to put into practice and I'm going to focus on. How does that translate to hotels? Now, those individuals, especially if we're talking about ADRs that we're talking about, high net worth, ultra high net worth people, they want to be able to practice that wellness when they're traveling at your hotel. So I think what's happened is it's created this need and the hotels that can provide it have really, really excelled because that guest wants to feel like they can do the same wellness practices, whether that's yoga or eating healthy or there's, the list goes on and on. If you can provide that at your hotel, I don't think it's a box to check anymore. I think it is a necessity. Even me as a consumer, that's something that I need to do when I'm there. As far as like supply chain and stuff like that, it is more difficult for me to answer being in Mexico. We've been really fortunate with labor. Fortunately, they, there's only really two states that thrive on thriving hospitality in Mexico. You have or two locations. You have Cabo San Lucas and then you have Riviera Maya. And those two locations, they're just full of talent because those are the two places that people live. So we're really fortunate on that. With rising costs, we have not been fortunate, especially in Mexico and especially here because we have unique things like a sushi restaurant and just products that we have to import. And so the inflation not only happens before the import, but then we get hit again once it comes to Mexico. So I think the only thing that we've been able to do to combat that is raise the ADR, but you can't raise the ADR without elevating that experience. And I think wellness is part of it. So to wrap up what I would say, what we did looking at, okay, we have the cost, we need to raise the ADR, and we're seeing wellness is a necessity. What can we do? So what we did was we basically tore down the back half of the property and built these rooftop wellness suites. And what these suites are is they have a separate a separate room. Half of them have a Peloton. Half of them have a workout mirror and a big room. All of them have a yoga mat and techno gym weights. And then also on the side, instead of a shower, it's a huge shower and steam room. So you get shower, steam room. And then on the rooftop, there's a pool. And we really just went to town with the marketing on wellness and just highlighting. And that was in 2021. Here we are in 2023. It's still our top selling suite by a mile. And the numbers just, they don't lie. That's the suite that keeps getting booked. We have 13 different room types. And out of those 13, this rooftop wellness suite is just amazing. And when I sit down, I say, you know, why? It's the same thing that I got my initial comment from their answer. Their answer is, hey, you know, I live in a 
$11 million house and I have a gym in my house, I don't want to go somewhere where I'm not going to be able to feel as comfortable as I would at my home. And that's a topic right now because what's great with Forbes Travel Guide is they always want to change their standards so that they stay relevant, hugely important. And they know that wellness is relevant. But when they bring up the conversation and you hear some of the old hats like, oh, we owners aren't going to make an investment in that or we can't make an investment. Like it's a fad or I don't know. And I know this interview is not about me personally, but it's so huge to my life. I wake up at 4.30 every morning and drink green tea and do yoga. And that's my favorite part of every day. It's not just me. And it's the generation. I'm a millennial. It's not only just millennials. Now we're going to have to compete with all the Gen X as well. And that's what the consumer wants. And that's what they're going to... It's just going to grow and grow as all of us get older. No, I definitely agree. So where, in your perspective, where do you see the industry in the short to say the short term, because we've been on a roller coaster ride here in Spain, at least I know. So from, let's say now, my May to December, short term, midterm, let's say 2024, and then long term, maybe 25. I know these are very short time spans, but where do you see our industry, but particularly leadership? I'm more curious to see how the younger generation, the future of our industry, how you see it and how you guys are shaping the industry. It's a good question. I think it just depends on the specific business and on the specific leadership. There's so much more to that. I think it's important for the companies that want to stay relevant, they're going to make changes and they're going to make changes quickly. If you look at wellness in a global setting, I can think of just different headlines like Montage Laguna Beach is now redoing their spa and they're going to bring in different virtual reality headsets so that once you're doing a massage, you're going to be immersed in this experience that brings you to another place with sound and visuals and stuff like that. And I know that's not yoga, but that's really this skill is included in this broad spectrum of wellness. And I think what we're going to see is the companies that understand relevance, they're going to make the change. And the companies that don't are going to become blockbuster. Blockbuster was, oh yeah, we're not getting into that space. And then they go out of business. And so I think the companies that are relevant and understand that, and Amon or on Alberge, like these new companies that are staying relevant and get it, that's what I think is going to get them, get the new generations. I think, and I don't want to, I'm not going to say anything about any brand in particular, but if you talk about a big box brand that doesn't really care about the relevance, I think that the numbers are going to reflect that. But in your, to answer your question, in the short term, I think the companies that make changes and that understand the needs of the, their consumer being focused on wellness are going to see growth. And I think the companies that don't aren't going to see the same. And when it comes to making our industry attractive, I know you probably you're in a zone where you have talent readily available. We are in a zone. So Europe, you know how Europe is. We have a population mushroom, they call it. So we have majority of the population by 2030 is going to be in the age bracket of 40 to 70. With the bulk of the population at 55 to 64, outstanding. So we have five generations of the population we are catering to and also five generations who will be working because in Europe we are having to increase our retirement age. We're multi-generational, diverse team also. How does that work in hospitality? It's tough. What the numbers tell us, the numbers tell us that the world saw this hospitality exponential growth late 
not late 2020, I would say mid, maybe Q2, Q3 of 2021. And everyone out there saying, oh my gosh, look at all this money. And you're also having that mindset change in every consumer where, uh, kind of cliche, but there's this quote, everyone says it like, instead of becoming a bucket list, it becomes a to-do list. And I think people are so much more willing to spend their money and travel. And long story short, investors and owners and whoever it is saw this. And so right now, what we're competing with is we're competing with more hotels than the amount of people. Not just four and five-star hotels, the whole industry there is so much growth of hotels. And like you said, there's not a million people born every second to catch up. I don't honestly know. I think my only answer is the most attractive workplaces are going to survive. And I bring that wellness comment full circle to come back to the employees because, okay, so wellness is going to drive your growth on the consumer side because that's relevant for them. But it's also relevant for your employees. And what we've seen here is although we're not competing with a labor shortage, we're competing with that hotel growth. And the Riviera Maya, just this year, I'm not even talking about at a low level. Let's just talk about high level. We have Belmont, St. Regis, Auberge, Waldorf Astoria, Addition, a new Nobu Hotel. I can go on and on. All these places are opening. The only way that we can retain talent is keep the workplace as attractive as possible. And I think wellness is now a part of that. Are you offering your team any sort of mental support if they're struggling with their mental health? Is there anything that you're helping them with just overall wellness, like exercise programs or helps? We do financial classes to help people monitor their finances. Like, I think it's all, it all encompasses a really big space. And I think my answer would be not every company is going to survive. There is not an answer for everyone because there's not enough people. So the only companies that will excel are the companies that value their team and show it. Everyone likes to talk about it, but what are they actually doing? What processes do you have at your hotel that actually someone's going to be like, wow, that's really cool. I want to work there. And when it comes to the traveler, as you said, there's a distinct, there's been a shift in paradigm, basically. People have put wellness front and center. But business travel suffered. Now, obviously, it's coming back. And the question is, do you think the wellness traveler, be it a primary or secondary, can the revenue or the custom the wellness traveler brings in replace or compete with the business travel revenue that comes from conferences, corporate, or it's a tall order or it's not at all relevant or they're two different markets? I think it's going to be one and the same. Not tomorrow. But for me, I, I don't want to keep drawing like my personal, but I work for the owner. We have 11 companies in three countries. And so I travel a ton and you could call me a business customer, but wellness is part of my life. And I think successful business people in my generation, and it doesn't have to be just my generation, but my parents' generation as well, you can be a successful business individual and also value your health. And I, I just think it's going to be the same. I don't think it's going to be two different consumers. I think that's one of the biggest things that I hear from the older hat. That's, oh no, wellness is going to work. This yogi coming to my property, they only want to camp in a tent on the beach. That's cause, And that's why the word wellness, it has that stigma attached to it. Wellness is just someone who is like a hippie. And for me, it's way more than that. It's, are you healthy and productive? I don't know. It's just, it's a lot. It's different for me. I don't think that they're different. I think that 
I don't want to say 10 years. I, I mean, hopefully it's five years, but I would say in time, five to 10 years, I think it's going to be the same person. That business person is going to value wellness. And I would say also like, for example, there's a wellness hotel up the street that's all wellness. I'm not going to name the name and they have a shaman and it's only vegan and that business model works. But I'm not saying that every hotel has to take the shaman at the entrance, vegan, like the old person's vision of wellness. I'm just saying there's a middle ground that I think that we're going to find in five to 10 years. And even that person that's at a conference in Chicago, they might want to relax after a long day of meetings or the day in between. And I like, I want to circle back to what he said. Obviously, I'm in a different generation, but I just love the freshness. I wish you were my GM. When <laughs> wellness, as you said, traditionally does not have a track record of startup performance. There's always the tangible aspect and the intangible aspect. And most like brands have only at least, I can say when I was in the trenches, day-to-day operations reported maximum one to 3% of total hotel revenue from the spa, the fewer direct revenue generating areas. Obviously, never, no one ever measured the increase in ADR, the increase in occupancy because of having the wellness offering. That just is not something that was measured. So we don't have that track record of being stellar performers, which gets us, throws us into a vicious cycle of people not, probably not valuing wellness or more hesitant to invest. Hoteliers are hesitant to invest properly or full on or truly embrace wellness, as you said, there's one thing saying it, paying lip service to it. The other thing is actually doing it and implementing it also for our employees. How can we build that reputation that we actually do make business sense? It's clear we give a lot of value, but how, if I have to go to a GM and say, invest in wellness, what would, you know, what kind of tips could you give us wellness professionals? Uh, that's a tough one too. I definitely don't have all the answers, but I would say the same thing I would say about so many hotels growing and not having enough staff. You have so many hotels growing, which means that consumers have so many more options. They have more options than they've ever had. And they're going to have more options every year, no matter what the destination is. Gosh, how do you, I just know that the guest is going to go to the places that do make the change. And those places that make the change are going to see the numbers. If I had to speak to the numbers now, We've increased our price, our prices exponentially in the spa, and the spa does incredible here. Now, I'm not working in a business hotel, so it's people that are coming here are purely leisure guests. So I know that's different. I don't know how you argue with the ownership of a business hotel. Go, I'll go back to my same argument. So people still want it, but for us, the numbers don't lie at all. For us, the spa is huge, and we. So let's say 2021, we won. Forbes best spa in Mexico. Even if that marketing that gets pumped out into the universe doesn't attract purely wellness guests or purely guests that value the spa, it's still going to get us the occupancy because of the exposure. And those people are going to try the spa as a result. Yeah, it's tough. Like you said, how do you measure the increase in occupancy based on the offerings that you have? I don't know. I think the only thing we do is just try and look at our competitive set and see where our occupancy numbers are compared to the other people in our region and ask what we're doing differently to to drive that occupancy. And I would say our wellness offerings are part of that, are a piece of that puzzle. And are there any other things you want to add on the subject of wellness, hospitality, for the people who want to enter into this industry? Is there anything you want to add for them? 
I would just say overall, outside of wellness, it's all about keeping an open mind and staying relevant in this industry. And it's never going to stop changing. So we're talking about wellness now, but in five or six years, we're going to be talking... Wellness will still be part of the conversation, right? But we're going to be talking about something else. And so I think the people that are adaptable and the companies that realize that are going to win. And I think the companies that are like, oh no, we can't invest in that because there's no return on investment. I think they're going to become irrelevant and no one is going to want to visit them that considers them to be irrelevant. I'm trying to think of a... Yeah, I don't know. I just... For me, it's just so important for my life. And I see that the guests that we have here, really successful people, I would say they're the business traveler. They're in the gym in the morning and they're mostly eating healthy. And I don't know. I just... I think people's lifestyles are changing as a result of the pandemic, as a result of just like valuing life more and trying to get the most out of it. And I think we're going to see that. I think we all, I think we're already seeing it, but I think right now is the, you're a little bit ahead of the game. I think in two or three years, it's going to be sink or swim. Oh, thank you. That's fantastic. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I just appreciate you. I love talking about this stuff. And if you ever, yeah, if you ever want to pick my brain more, I just, I love it. Fantastic interview and some great lessons from Sean on the importance of staying relevant. Change is indeed the only constant we have to keep our pulse on the conversation today. And today, well-being has taken center stage, irrespective of your location, industry, and life circumstance. And we have to stay relevant if we are going to survive today's business landscape. I wish you all a gorgeous day. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. If you want to know whether your hotel is ready to meet the growing demand for wellness experiences, both for your guests and your employees, then my Essence Scorecard is the perfect tool for you. Head over to spa-balance.com forward slash Essence Scorecard and get yourself a free and accurate temperature reading of your hotel's readiness to meet the wellness needs of your people and your guests. It's a valuable self-audit that not only helps you create a profitable wellness asset, but also promote a culture of genuine wellness for your team.